Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. That, get, that bumper gets me jacked up, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I could run through a wall right now. Oh, man. Hey, welcome to church. Welcome to uh, Coastline West Shore. It's great to have you, and it is a privilege to be here. Typically, I'm at the Victoria campus with my wife, and we uh, serve there, and that's our campus, and that's I'm the campus pastor there. But um, I knew there was an opening, and I get to kind of do the sermon planning scheduling a little bit. And I was like, ooh, Adam's away. I'm so going to go to West Shore. I want to go to West Shore. And, um, and not just because I get to sleep in for like 20 extra minutes, because I really want to be with you. And I really do mean that. Um, so thanks for, thanks for like just worshiping and, and being so incredible. And the welcome team, I'm just so amazed by our team every day. Um, this series that we're in is called Heroes. And it's designed to look at some of the most, I would just say like ancient sort of uh, heroes of our faith. And it's, it's designed to look at men and women who were leaders, courageous, radical faith, uh, incredible heroes of the faith. That is our goal. And so we often read our Bible and we see parables. We read our Bible and we see different stories. Um, we see Paul's letters to different churches. But it, there is a moment where it's, it's important to unpack the actual people and their faith and their journey and their story and, and, and try and understand how that really applies to us. Even myself, I've just been reading like early church fathers, even past kind of just the disciples and the writers of the Bible, just learning more of our faith. And I think it's important because these people, they're not just like, I think we hold them on such high pedigree. And, and that's a good thing. Um, but they faced similar things to us. They faced exile and, com- and comparison. They faced eth- ethical dilemmas, that marriages often being just held in the balance, king's demands, the requests of God to be obedient. It's a challenge. And so I'm always inspired when I read and see their radical faith. And I want that to inspire us for the next few weeks. You you can't read the story of Rahab and not feel inspired. You can't can't read Stephen and Acts, which we're going to get to in the summer, and not ask yourself, Lord, could I be so bold? Could I, if I was put in the position, how, how would I respond? And so I think there's something beautiful here. And so we as preachers, lots of us coming through, we're going to unpack again the radical heroes of our faith, defining moments, themes, etc. And I do want to say, when me and Adam both were talking about the different kind of people we wanted to pick, we were both like, James, no, I picked James. I shotgun. And Adam's like, I'm bigger than you. I'm like, let's fight. And so, and so we, 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 we fought, more, like combat, hand on hand. And what, do you, what happens when you get a, you know, immovable force with a, What's that? We're, 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 we're it was a big fight. And, um, and, um, and after 20 hours of straight fist to fists, we realized that um, we could both do James, and that's okay too. But it took us a while to get there. And so we, uh, we're going to talk about James one more time, and then next week it'll, it'll, it'll shift a little bit. When I say hero, I wonder what comes to mind for you. Like what comes to mind? Honestly, if you think about it, if you were to just take a moment, you can even grab your phone and write down who you would say are your heroes. Like, who, who would you write? Would it be a family member, a mother, a father, a grandparent? Would it be um, a close friend, a pastor? Would, would it be a neighbor, a teacher who looked out for you? 
When, when I think hero, honestly, here's what I wrote down as I was preparing. Here's what I wrote, I wrote, I wrote down Joshua. We just did a series in Joshua in November. And I, the, for forever Joshua will be just like, there's something about him. I really love him. For me, I wrote down Eugene Peterson. I just find him, although his writing's so incredible, uh, he's just a humble pastor. Just wanted to love and shepherd people. I wrote down Rita Scorgi. That's my grandma, who just was loyal and, 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 and stewarded her faith every single day. I wrote down um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Just, I just cool, you know, I wrote down Batman. I did. I did. He's the best. Okay? I don't want to hear this Marvel. D- He's the best. It's Batman. Come on. My son loves Spider-Man a lot right now. We're praying for him. We're going to get through it. No, I'm kidding. He, he loves Spidey and I do too now. Now I'm like, yeah, he is pretty cool. Shoot, like Spider-Man is awesome. I wrote an essay in grade 12. It was Batman versus Spider-Man. Who's better? Gotta be, whatever. He didn't like it. He was a Spider-Man fan. I, I, I actually wrote this down and this is a joke, but it's true. I wrote down anyone who knows how to keep barbecue chip, chicken juicy on the barbecue. Like I wrote that down. If you, listen to me, if you know how to grill and keep things tender, and, and, and not overcook them. <laughs> May you be blessed and have many children because I remember the first time I took over the barbecuing for our, for our family. I was at my father-in-law's house and he, he, he likes, he's fine with it. He didn't care and he kind of let me do it. And I remember we were sitting down. You know, I, I've talked about this moment like, and he looked at me and I had done his steak well and he goes, that's all he did. He didn't say a word. <laughs> Didn't have to say anything. When your father-in-law looks at you after you've just cooked him a steak, and all he does is. Now I'm a hero, obviously, right? I felt so good. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget it. You know, it's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm making some jokes here at the end, but earlier you heard me talking about different people, and there are heroes in our life. Like, that word means something to all of us. What I love about all of these people, specifically, I mean, they, what inspires me is they didn't fight for fame. My, my grandma and these people, they weren't like, out. Joshua wasn't out for the fame. He was living a life that wanted to just listen to Jesus, and as Adam would say, do what he says. Like, that was it. That was enough for many of these people. And, and our theme has kind of been that the greatest heroes never aim to become one. Yet we live in a culture that's always trying to push our name, our fame, our next step, our big thing. And all the heroes that we read about, the places we visit when we go to Europe and look at statues and mar- like these people weren't out for their name. In fact, the Bible continually shows people who are out for their name and what happens. You'll see it. Kings and queens fall because they were out for their name. And I just love that. And they faithfully live and walk in obedience and, and humble and they care for others. They leave a legacy of faith. And, and I think that is what's so powerful about James. Again, I'm not going to go too much context because I know Pastor Adam already did, but just to make sure we're clear, and if you missed last week, he's the half-brother of Jesus. We're reading from, from his letter today, five chapters in there. Wasn't it one of the 12 disciples? That's, those are different James. That's James, some son of Alphaeus, James, uh, the brother of John. This is known, he's known as James the Just, or, or, or the brother of our Lord. You'll sometimes read Paul, write, he'll write that out. And he didn't become a follower of Jesus until the resurrection. In fact, John 7, I believe, actually says that the brothers kind of dismiss Jesus. They kind of push him out of his town. They're kind of like, you're, like, get out of here. They didn't really think he was all that he said he was going to be. They didn't believe him. And yet we read in 1 Corinthians that James, this James that we're going to read again later in your Bible, becomes one of the earliest people to see the resurrection. He stays. This is what I love too. He becomes kind of an early church leader, and he becomes, 
he kind of becomes in charge in a lot of ways. And he's sitting there, like he stays in Jerusalem and kind of forms part of the group of the believers who pray in the upper room. And then from that time forward, he just kind of continues to grow as so does the church. He's appointed by Peter, John, and James to become the bishop of, of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. His letter is written, if you read James, it's kind of written between Acts 8, 9, 10, and 11. And so it's so interesting to see his letter being written in, in, in times that we can also read. It's all happening within that time frame. What I love about him is he never leaves Jerusalem when his ministry starts. Like all the apostles, they, they took off, they did, went to different spots, they were missionaries, to, in, Thomas went to India. Like there's different places that the different people go, but J James stays put. He stays right there. He pastored there. He was martyred there. History shows that, and this is in the Bible, history shows us that he was thrown off uh, like a three-story ledge. And when he fell down, he didn't die. And so people began to stone him. And as he was being stoned, again, this is historical record, kind of two BC, second century, he was, he was being stoned. He was praying for them who were throwing rocks. And still, he didn't die. And again, history shows us that, and I apologize for the kind of grotesque na nature if you have kids in here, but that someone finally came to club him. And as he came, he was praying for him as he clubbed him, then being killed. And now there is a uh, statue of James the Just in Belgium, and he holds a club. And I think there's just something really profound about this man who stayed put who never left, who continued to pastor, who, who continued to stay loyal, who continued to shepherd. From non-believer to early church leader to spiritual father to forgiving martyr. That's a journey, isn't it? And if I can just say, and I know Adam said this to you, but it just goes to show you how powerful the resurrection was. Because up until that point, James was kind of denying, like maybe uncertain. We only have so much to read from, but after that point, it's like everything changed. If you're a skeptic in the room, man, something changes when you look at Jesus through the lens of the cross. If you don't believe, you're like, something is very unique about God laying down his life. Right? Like Philippians 2.8. Like, you see it here. What a powerful testimony. So with that, we're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to stay put. We're not going to move around too much. Starting in verse 19, it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Okay, to the church, really, he's writing. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. That's something to underline in your Bible today, friends. Which can save you. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. How many marital fights would that have solved this week, you know? <laughs> Not friend fight, work fights, bot, like, doesn't matter, right? Like, it's, it's, it's this beautiful, it kind of reads like a proverb, James, because there's such a, like, act of justice and righteousness. He really, he kind of writes that way. You can almost read it, though. There's a lot of wisdom here. I'm, I see quick to listen. I see slow to speak. I see slow to anger. I also see humility, humility, humility. Amen? Like, like, really, like, our first reaction to things is not always our best reaction. And how many people know that's the truth, right? Like, I know my first reaction is rarely my best. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That's what he writes. Again, I find this really interesting because James was a Nazarite. Um, I don't know if you watched The Chosen. It's, it's, it's an interesting, like, we, me and Trin have been really enjoying it. It's kind of this beautiful kind of interpretation of all the scriptures. It's really well done, I think. And, and they keep saying, they keep joking, like, from Nazareth? From Nazareth? Like, it's like this ongoing joke throughout it all. And, 
And James was a Nazarite, and he was a righteous man. The Bible actually says Peter feared James because of how moral he was. There's this thing called the Nazarite vow, which you can read about, and it's, it's kind of this idea of, of a specific kind of restrictions that you would take upon yourself, that you would kind of say, for the next 30 days, we're gonna do certain things, and those things would look like not cutting your hair, not washing yourself, not being anywhere near a dead body, certain foods, absolutely no alcohol, those sort of pieces. And it's the Nazarite vow, and it was very like, and, and James would have done this often. In fact, he actually tells Paul in Acts 21, that in his kind of neck of the woods, in Jerusalem, that there are these Jews, there's thousands of Jews who really want to know about Jesus, but we can't connect with them. And so he actually commands Paul, he says, I need you to take the Nazarite vow. I want you to take it with these four men. I want you to go into Jerusalem. I want you to pray with them. I want you to pay their way. And Paul says, you got it. Like he's now commanding and telling, trust me, when we're going to do the work, we have to be righteous men. This is, this is what God desires. It's this kind of self-proclaimed consecration to separate from the world and to look like Jesus. And he's saying, we, pay, we play a part in chasing and submitting to the grace of God. And I know it's hard, right? Because there's this piece when I say righteousness and producing, how do we live righteously and obediently while not making it a pathway to earn salvation, right? And so we, we find ourselves in this tension whenever we read something like James. But I think he actually gives us the answer. I think he, he puts it. I'm not going to, I don't have a fancy saying here. It's just right here in verse 21. And I think it's to slow down and humbly accept the word planted in you. The word here meaning logos, which is really this popular Greek word throughout the New Testament, most notably in John 1, like he became the word, right? We read that. And I think it's important for us to recognize um, the word really encompasses the expressed thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. Primarily, again, through Christ, the Word of God. And I think we need to understand in a hunger and hustle and force your way in and climb the ladder culture, we have to learn to slow down. Like, I don't read Jesus sprinting from city to city. And I know we kind of hit this thematically a little bit recently in the church. I think we're understanding this more kind of coming out of COVID. But I would ask the question, has it actually become something you've implemented in your life? Yeah, yeah, I gotta slow down. Are you? Have you? Have you stopped working six days a week and gone down to five? Have you actually pressed pause and said, I'm going to actually not work 55 hours a week? I'm going to actually find you know, others to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empower others. I'm going to find other ways to do the same task, but I'm not going to let it cost me, my body, my mind, my spirit. I don't know. I just, I think, again, we just, I don't see Jesus rushing I see the Bible, it says he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. I see him constantly coming to his father and praying and looking for help. I don't know, I just, I want to, I want to get better at this. There's a great book right now. I do think it's a great book on this topic, The Ruthless Elimination of Prayer. Many, I'm sure some of you have heard it or read it. Lots of good thoughts in it. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace, he writes. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Hurry is violence on the soul. In conversations, in your marriage, in your work, even in processing theology, in your arrest, in your decisions at church, slow down. Please, let the word of God take root take root and provide a way to see the righteousness and the path forward. 
Like that's what he's saying. It's planted in you. It is the power to save you. Like let it just sit here, right here. Slow down and listen to God. That's what he's getting at. Let the word of God take root and provide a way to see it through. Um, because again, he's saying get away from the world. The moral filth is the term he uses. And you can't digest the word and see it for all that it is if you're rushing it, rushing life. You know, a lot of conversations with people who don't, I think, know how to live their faith out in, in kind of today's age. A lot of young adults often talking about this. It's like, I just don't know what to do. And it's, it's hard not to give in. It's hard not to just follow the next whatever, the phase, the thing. Like, I, I do get it. But the word, friends, the word stands true and pure. And you need it. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians writes. Like, that's, this book can really help you. I, I, like, hold it in such high regard. Hold it so close to your, to your soul. Like, wake up and read it. Like, put, like do what you can, because I really think it actually gives you what you need as you look out into the world. Let it take root. The purity of God's word can preserve us even as we engage in impure age. That was Charles Spurgeon. And I think there's something really powerful about it. Because James was so devout. He held a high view of the word and the words of God that he truly believed that like, these things matter. Um, Acts 15, this is really interesting disagreement. Again, we're going to do some Acts in the summer, so I don't want to take too much time in it. But, but James, again, because he's such an early church father in this moment, they're talking about circumcision, and they're kind of having this, I will not say a debate, but it's a healthy discussion, and Peter kind of says what he needs to say, and Paul and Barnabas, like, they're all kind of having this conversation. And at the end of it, they all kind of turn and look at James, again, who's really kind of in charge at this moment, or at least he, is, he has a high leadership role for sure. And in Acts 15, he, he steps up. He says a couple words, and then what does he do? He quotes Amos. Like, he could give a speech, he could give a sermon, but in that moment, he goes back to the word. He continues to use the word. Jesus himself quoted every, I think it's every Old Testament book, but one in his time of ministry. Like, there was a consistent returning to the scriptures because when it takes root, it gives you what you need to live out righteously in the way that God has designed and planted for you. And you know, he, 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 this is what he says. This is verse 22. If we keep reading the same scripture, this is what James says. Do not merely listen to the word. So again, he's back to it. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I got no Greek there. It's just uh, pretty basic, those four words. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like looking like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into, I love this, the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So first of all, he holds again the word, the law, up in such high regard, the perfect law, which what? Gives rules, regulate, freedom. And by adhering to what the Bible's saying and listening to what it's doing, he's saying, don't deceive yourselves. Don't, don't be someone who reads and understands I, I really think he's so aware of this because he knows what it's like to not be a believer. To stand in the, like, literally, to be so close to Jesus and yet not believe. Sorry, guys, I'm new to these things. I think there's really this piece of, like, he's, he understands, but he didn't, he understands now what he didn't understand then. And he's just like, I don't want you to miss it. Like, like don't just listen to it and deceive yourself. There's more here. It was common in the ancient world that, that people would have a teacher, a rabbi, to kind of like come under and study under and hear to and listen to. And if you followed a teacher, you tried to live to what they said. Friends, 
like I think on, honestly, often I have to remind myself and, and challenge myself to, to even write. Like as I was preparing this sermon, I even wrote like, am I a disciple or a follower of the crowd? Am I constantly coming under, slowing down, humbling myself to listen and to do? Or am I just kind of rushing from thing to thing, jumping, like I'm at church now, so I'm doing the thing. But am I really? I want to do what the word says because they will be blessed in what they do. You know, mirrors back then, it's interesting, it wasn't the same as us. Like, we look at a mirror to just get the final look, most of us, right? We go and we're like, and then we kind of move on, right? That's kind of what we do. We all do. Why do we tilt the head? This now changes the outfit. I don't, and I do it too. I'll be like, I don't care. Who cares? (laughs) Trina will tell me if it looks bad, right? But we kind of look at a mirror quick, and then once in a while, we're like right up and close to the mirror, and that's like for makeup or for the gray hairs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know how many people tell me now, like, I got a gray hair, at least you have some. Like, that's, <laughs> that's my thing. I'm like, I, what is happening here? Like, <laughs> this is a weekly conversation in our house. Like, do we need to invest and try to go, should I get the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we, we kind of like, we do the quick look, right? But the mirror, and what James is talking about in their time would have been like an interesting piece of glass that would have had all sorts of kind of dimensions. Like you would have had to really hold something and look at it for a very long time. This would have been a process. Like I'm in the mirror, I'm trying to discover, I'm looking at it, I'm scrutinizing what it is that I am looking at. And I think that's what he's saying here. He's like, why would you look? Like don't just look and come and, and then and, and invest and, and read and do Bible study and then walk away and forget everything you're reading? And like we just said, and, and Emily was saying, like, it's like, how can you not read this and then not want to do this? He's saying, like, why, why are we wasting time? You look in the mirror and forget? How can you forget he lives? He rose. He's real. He has a plan for you. Like, that's what James is getting at. I think, again, I wonder if it's the cultural pressure. Because I think, again, he keeps talking about the world, moral filth. He's going to talk about it again at the end of this verse. I was having a conversation with someone recently, and we were sitting down. This person's not a Christian yet, they would say, but they're thinking about it, was what he, he told me. And he was like, are you like, I want to know more. Like, are you one of those Christians? He kept saying that. Are you one of those Christians? It's like, maybe? I don't know. What, describe those. Like, well, is your church one of those churches? Do you guys like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really don't. Like, I, I, what do you, what exactly do you mean? And I'm assuming it has to have something to do, my instant reaction is like, do we carry a biblical sexual ethic? Or do we, you know, worship Jesus? Do we listen to the word of God? Like, what really, what are the things that you're asking? And he just kept being like, you know, like, one of those things, one of those Christians. So I just asked him, are you one of those teachers? Like, do you invest in your students every day? Or do you just give half of them B's? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> do you really, really care about the development in every single sub? Do you love every, you're one of those teachers who like really wanted to be a teacher? Are you one of those police officers? Upholds the law? <laughs> like every single one? I jaywalked the other day, didn't care, so. Are you one of those husbands, really? you like, only devoted to your wife, even when it's really challenging? 
You see how silly that sounds? It sounds horrible. Yes, I'm one of those Christians. Yes. Fine. I'm happy to be it. I'm one of those people that absolutely believes that Jesus was real, that he really did die for my sins on the cross, that he really did defeat sin and death, like risen, yes, 100% risen from the grave. He now has purchased and paid for my sin, therefore giving me atonement, therefore giving us an ability to love him and, and live with him forever. And yeah, I believe his plans and his words and what he has spoken, that this Bible is true and that we should follow it very, very carefully. And I don't always get it right, but I wanna do my best because I believe this Bible and this, this world needs churches and needs Jesus, that we don't have just issues with justice, but we have a sin issue and that God is the only redeemer. If it's one of those Christians, guilty. Like, I just wonder if we would be a little more open about, absolutely I am, 100%, because what God has done has changed me forever. And that's what James is saying. He's like, everything has changed now. So don't just read and listen, but do, but adhere to, live righteousness, best live according to Jesus in loving obedience, righteously, because that's where the blessing is. That's where the freedom is. That's where the joy is. I think we think following this thing is going to lead to a really painful, like, horrible life and it's like what what is john 10 10 for then i come to bring life and life to the full that's why he says the perfect law gives freedom that's why he says not forgetting what they heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do church are you hearing me today i don't want to be someone who's like i just want to be i'm just going to sit in the corner and be one of jesus does not call us to do that he really doesn't and i know it seems scary sometimes but yeah i I want to be one of those parents and Christians and, and, and spouse. Like, I don't want to be someone who's like off to the side, half in the game. Because being a devout follower of Jesus, which I see James as, is the only kind of follower I think is, that's worth being. Being a devout follower of Jesus is the only kind of follower worth being. And James is, James is calling us out here. He called me out as I read the whole book, and I just even these words are just so powerful. So I want to say one thing too. It, it's okay to have seasons of doubt. And it's just important to say that. I'm not suggesting you have to have all this figured out all the time. There are some days where I am not doing great and, and Trina comes beside me and she's able to encourage me or what it, like she has a verse for our family or whatever it is that really just re-puts re us on a path together. That's what the church is for. That's what relationships are for. That, that it's okay to have seasons of doubt. Maybe there's a season of hurt discouragement, right? I'm not saying that, that you can't have those seasons, but those are the seasons to lean in, not to fade away. Those are the seasons to ask for help, not to try and fix it on your own. Those are the seasons to maybe even work less and slow down, not to try and just fill your mind with times of things that are going to help you get through this season. It's okay to have hard seasons. I want to encourage you with something because maybe some of you are feeling like I'm just feeling doubtful about our world about what's going on I'm just feeling so like there's no hope like I, like the news app is literally <laughs> hurting my brain um, two weeks ago I got to speak at a, at a youth rally here in Victoria and it was a really powerful night um, something is happening right now in our young people and it's incredible even Pastor Adam texted some of us before just saying how at the conference, like just so many young people just running to the front because nothing in this world will fill them. 
And so they run to the front looking for the Holy Spirit. And even last week, so I got to speak at this conference, and there was just this beautiful moment and lots of people committing to the, for the very first time. I was, like, so adamant. Like, first time, don't just throw the hands up. Like, you've never accepted Jesus, and 30 hands are up. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I'm like, double promise? Like, first time? Robbie was there. He knows. I was like, it was, Robbie was almost like, dude, it's fine. Keep going. And so we're moving. We're moving, right? And, and then at the end of the night, like, it ended really kind of just not this huge rah-rah moment. Just kind of ended quiet. And Pastor Caleb, who's there at Life Tree, just said, you know what? There's some water in the back if anyone wants to keep going. And this girl who made a decision for the very first time, very first time that night, non-Christian family, just searching because she just feels empty inside, searching for hope, searching for grace, searching for love, received Jesus that night and then said, now what? What, what, what am I supposed to do next? What's my next step? I want to keep doing, I want to, I want to just keep following. I want to stay obedient. And she, so they literally, I think we have a video. I sent it to the team. I hope it's ready. And if not, you can let me know. But there's this video of this girl getting baptized. 1040 at night, one floodlight, glow sticks. That's it. That's how they lit up. No, I'm kidding. Classic youth rally, right? Do we have that video, guys? I, I wonder if it's ready. Maybe not. I sent it from last minute because it was my, my bad. But there's just this beautiful moment. If it's on behind me, you guys just tell me, okay, if it pops up. Like this beautiful, yes, come on, Jesus, thank you. That's not a very good applause for something so powerful. Come on, this is like, this is just, this is, this is just one, one girl's life, one story, but can I tell you, that story and that life matters so much to Jesus. How much more does heaven rejoice when one repents and turns to Jesus than 99 righteous followers? Turning from the world, asking Jesus what's next. And so there's this beautiful like balance of both listening and doing and slowing the pace so that you can actually hear and listen what Jesus is asking you to do. Not rushing to a step or a next, but saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm keen in listening to your ear, but I want to keep moving. I don't want to get stagnant. For those who consider themselves righteous and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, this is the next verse, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being included by the world. There's that, there's that kind of terminology again. Now there's lots of interesting pieces here and, and much Adam went into last week. It's interesting, religion here is not necessarily used in a positive sense. It's this Greek word thraskaia, which is, it's worshipped as expressed in kind of ritual acts. Not necessarily a bad thing, but not necessarily a positive term we see. You see this term in Acts 17, 25, 26, Colossians 2. Ultimately, what I think James is saying here is you can see yourself as religious and you not be righteous. And so I'm not even trying to, I'm not trying to make religious a negative word. I think it gets a bad rap, and I think Adam said that again last week, but he continues to put this emphasis on what? On our words. Do not, sorry, he says, consider themselves religious, and yet they don't keep a tight ring on their tongues. Their religion is worthless. Later in James 3, it writes this, and I'm closing here, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with the tongue we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I just, I almost can picture him writing, I don't want to put emphasis into the text where it's not, but just, church, this should not be. 
Can I read that one more time? I need this. It's not about you. It's out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying, if the inner has changed, let the outer confession follow. If a tree has bad fruit, there's a root problem, not a fruit problem. Are you hearing me? He's trying to get it. Like, and Peter himself, like, right, he did, he's a beautiful picture of this, denies Jesus, but also confesses him as Savior. The tongue is so tricky. It, it's like the big ship, right? But the little, little rudder actually moves it. And we have this body that we want to use for the Lord, and yet so often this is doing the damage. And can I just encourage you this week that we would be not just hearers, but doers that the tongue may be the biggest part of the doing this week. Let this week, blessing for you, be filled with words that uplift your soul. Talking about words you say to yourself, men and women in here together, words you say to yourself, in your spirit, in your time, don't put yourself down. We could read a lot of words what the Bible says about you. Son and daughter, it was quoted already that, that Romans 5, 8, that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is our living hope. Man, let this week be filled with words that uplift your soul. Words that speak life into homes and workplaces. Let there be spiritual utterances and a heavenly language that bless every space and every person that you meet. Don't say one thing and do another, friends. But in every sphere of your life, stay true to God's word. Let your faith be seen and God will mature you and grow you daily. He does talk about being obedient here and I want to just hit that. that light, live a life that lives outward and obedient to God and his word. It's so key. Otherwise, what else is the point? I think that's why he's called James the Just. Is He's like, what, what else is the point then of this whole thing? We just gather and meet and drink coffee? There's a lot of places that gather and meet and drink coffee. Like, there's some, there's life here. He says, care for the widow and the orphan in their distress. That is what we're called. Do you know someone who just went through loss? Reach out. Give them a call. Don't just be like, oh man, that's awful. If you see them, someone post something on Instagram, DM them, right? Are you okay? Do you need something? How can I pray for you? What, what could I do? Is there anything? I'm lifting you up. Do you know someone who, who could use like what you have? Or do you know someone who is desperate? Call them and actually pray for them. I hit this lots last time I was here. Like, let's be people who are quick to pray over each other. Do you, do you get a massive Christmas bonus every year that you don't even know what to spend on? Give it somewhere. Like, what is it for you? Like, live in a way that is saying, I want to live righteously before my own God. I know I can't do it without his strength, so I stay to the word. But man, I want to stay obedient. Because this whole thing, I'm convinced that the whole theme of James really isn't just about doing and working. Yes, faith without deeds, dead. like all those pieces matter. Thematically, yes, being active in our faith. But let me say this as I close. It's not just about doing something. It's about doing what Jesus asked you to do. He's not going to look at all of us and say, did you just do the things? Did you do the thing? No. Did you do what I asked you to do? Because there are different gifts for every single one of us. And there is a unique calling on every single one of us. Have you been obedient with what I have given 
you. Gifts, heart, mind, um, money, whatever it is. Time, treasure, talent. James is saying, not saying run away from the world, but he's calling us to a deeper devotion to Christ and obedience to the calling that he's put on our life. These heroes didn't fight for status. They fought for a life of obedience. And I just want to say one thing. I keep saying that, don't I? My bad. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> West Shore, can I just say something to this incredible campus? The next explosion of growth doesn't happen until this entire group and community is sold out for the call here. I'm not saying everyone has to do everything, but the next explosion of growth happens when we all look at ourselves and say, am I being a follower of the crowd or a disciple of Jesus? Am I giving my gifts? There are people in here who just really prefer sleep than getting here early to load in. And everyone does. I'm not judging you for that. Everyone does. But the calling and obedience to Christ does take sacrifice. There's sacrifice. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm challenging you here because Adam's too nice to say it, so I will, okay? The next season of rapid growth starts with radical faith. It starts with radical sacrifice. It starts right here saying, I do have something I can give. Maybe I, I don't have the back to, to load in on muscle team, but I can do this. I bet you there's some really talented musicians in here. I don't know why I did this. This was me playing the keys. I bet you there's some musicians in here that, that are think I couldn't make, I'm not on the team. Yes, use your, there's some prayer warriors in here who have been too scared to be, I don't know if I could pray for, we, intercession. There's lots of ways to pray. There's some people who are talented on the mic. There's some people who would be great in kit. There's some people who would just be great as coming together and saying, I don't know what I got, but I'm ready to serve. That's the next step, is that we wouldn't be spectators and consumers. Man, if there's anything I'm tired of being, it's a consumer. I want to get in the game. I don't want to just be a hero. I want to be a doer. I want to be activated. I want my faith to be activated. But first it starts with coming to the Lord, letting the word take root, and then asking Jesus, how do I live a life of obedience? That's where heroes are made. Let me pray for you. Eyes closed across this room. There's someone in here, there's some buddies in here who really know that their next step is obedience. And for some of you, you would not consider yourself a Christian. You would say, I've been running from this thing that has been pulling me in. And Jesus is asking you just to lay everything down, surrender to him, and be obedient to Christ. Your sin is not too weighty for him. Your mistakes are not too many for him. He sees you where you're at. He loves you. Walk in obedience and come to Jesus. Just commit to him right now. For some of you, you have, you know this truth I'm speaking of, the salvation gospel message. And for some reason, you know, maybe you've accepted it before, but you have just kind of stayed on the sidelines, off to the side, scared to be labeled as one of those Christians. And God is calling you to be that Christian, that follower, that disciple, hungry for him and hungry for obedience every day. And if that is you, man, make a commitment now. Maybe you just want to lift your hands just beside you, like even just up. I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying for you, make an action. You're like, I'm tired of just standing or like off to the side. I want to be in. 
I want to walk with Jesus. Make a commitment now. So maybe for the first time, you're coming to obedience to Jesus. Maybe you're recommitting. Maybe you know you have something to give and you have actually been hoarding it to yourself and it's time to give it to the church. Whatever it is, I pray obedience for you. Holy Spirit, we come now before you and ask that there would be obedient people in this room. People who say more, th- more than my, my pay stub, more than um, people around me, more than what I'll be labeled as. I want to be someone who walks and lives in obedience. Jesus, I just pray right now that we would be people who speak with Christ-filled words this week over us, over our families, over our, our places of worship, over the people beside us, over our fiancés, over our best friends, over our teachers, over our pastors, whatever it may be, over our bosses. Would there be words that bring life? God, I pray that we would be people who praise our Lord, our Father, but we don't curse human beings who would be made in your image. I pray in Jesus' name, out of my mouth, out of West Shore community's mouth, out of our church's mouth, would come grace-filled, life giving words of worship, Jesus. I pray that we would, um, Lord, we wouldn't run from the world to try and change us, but we would fight for righteousness in our life. We would get in the word and that we would live lives that are obedient to our call. I pray for the person who far knows what they're called to do, but has ran from that path. Would today be the day they say, I'm not running from my call, I'm being obedient in my call. Jesus, for the person who has far just continued to chase the world and they know it won't fill them. I pray they'd be like that girl that we saw in the video that would make a change, that would take a step and say, I wanna follow Jesus today and forever. It is your grace, Jesus, that we run after. Lord, we love you, we need you. And as a church, we commit and say, Lord, we're doing this. We're all in, we're ready. Use me, use us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, come on, everybody said. Would you stand to your feet with me? Let's sing one more time.